Episode 38 of Doc Fermento Discovers the World. Two interviews today. First up it's Karen Phelps and second Alec Henderson. These fine folk are part of a new blog and podcast team, debuting in November. This is the last of three episodes covering AHS 12. Please go to askbrian.com for show notes and affiliate wonderment. Hello. Hey, Brian. Hi, Karen. How's it going? Good. And you? I'm doing all right. Sorry, I'm just getting settled here. What? And... I checked in early, a half an hour early. That was my mistake. Oh, no, no. I um, I wished I'd been available, but it's been a crazy day, so... Yeah, I, had it, I put it in my calendar wrong. Oh, okay. The calendar on the Mac sucks compared to the phone on the iPhone. Really? I have iPhone problems. Oh, yeah. Not Mac calendar problems. I just, the entry, the way you enter stuff, mm. click, type, whatever. And on the phone, it just seems so much more natural. Hmm. <laughs> I hear doggies. Son of a... Oh! <laughs> as soon as I start... <laughs> oh, what's the neighbor's? Hmm. Interesting. Let's see. Uh, kind of atmospheric, you know. Yeah, kind of ridiculous. Is that what you mean? <laughs> huh. This. I uh, I had to come outside because my whole my family came home for dinner. Ah. Uh, we had a little change of plans today, so we're a little. That's right. You're on the east coast, aren't you? Yes. Whereabouts? Um, Cleveland. Cleveland, okay. Ish. <laughs> Cleveland-ish, I'd say. All right. I'm going to try to do it with the dogs and see how it goes. Oh, they'll be fine. No one will even notice. <laughs> Assuming they don't maul you in the middle or something. No, I think I'm safe. <laughs> but I think they know I don't like them, so uh. these dogs are smart. All right, Karen. So the um, another member of the Paleo Posse checking in to talk about AHS twelve, right? Yes. Cool. Let's have it. Let's do it. All right. So, what compelled you to uh, make the trip to AHS twelve? Well, I missed out on the big party last year and uh, decided that that couldn't happen again. So. Um... I knew I had to go, I mean, at least once to check it out, and uh, um, so made the, the long trek from Oregon to Boston. I'd never been to Boston, so that was kind of cool, um, and um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I <laughs> mean, you, don't, you don't do this for work, this is not, is this your gig, writing about paleo, you know, or is this Well, that's, that's kind of a funny question, yeah, so... Um, my husband is the lucky breadwinner in our family, and um, I had my daughter about three years ago, and um, started, you know, about a year ago, started thinking, you know, I need to use another part of my brain, as many women will um, identify with. Um, so I started doing some freelance writing, but, you know, once we got into this paleo stuff, um, of course, it consumed all my attention and, uh -huh. <laughs> and energy, <laughs> um, 
And I thought, well, it'd be nice if I could, you know, utilize some of this research that I've been immersing myself in and, and, um, and put it to work. And not just for, for, I mean, obviously, like, I'm not trying to pay bills with this. And thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I'm having fun, like, really working with people and, and helping people out with projects they have. And, um, and, of course, just having fun being, you know, a complete ridiculous idiot about a lot of this stuff, um, which is uh, a lot of fun, and meeting cool people, you know, uh-huh. uh, who are also uh, in the same boat. How long have you been doing this paleo thing yourself, the lifestyle? Um, since January of 2011, uh, so a little over a year and a half. January 2011. Yeah, I think I'm the exact same. Yep. You know, I hear that from a lot of people. It's so yeah. funny. And mm-hmm. it wasn't was it a New Year's resolution for you? Uh, no, all? no. Yeah, me either. <laughs> no, it was not. Um Yeah, I was just um I was waiting to source meat. I was vegetarian. Oh. And waiting for uh to get on a CSA, a meat CSA here. And then that's when it that's when we got that's huh. when I changed. Mm-hmm. So what turned you? Um I was well, I had just taken a time out from meat because i didn't want to eat um industrial meat right and um we moved from california to ohio and then i got on board with the csa and got into the paleo gig cool so you didn't get into this via like a book or uh rob wolf yeah i i researched it probably several months before um, and then it was Rob Wolf's book that made the turning point for me. Uh-huh. He actually got me at the, the story about standing in a river at the beginning of his book. Hmm. It's real Eastern mystic kind of a thing. And I'm like, oh, I'm sold. It was just the <laughs> coolest thing in the world. And, um, yeah, it's been awesome. That it is. So... Make this trip all the way to Boston to hear a bunch of people talk about what? <laughs> <laughs> is this a paleo conference? Is this an ancestral conference? Is this a health conference? What What was it to you? What did you get out of it? You know, that's actually a really interesting question. And I asked a question, it might have been last night or the night before on Twitter, and I, I got no responses to it, maybe because it was so late. Um, I forget those of us on the West Coast are up later than a lot of others, but... Um, I was actually surprised that it seemed very paleo heavy and I was expecting to hear more from, you know, the Weston A. Price Foundation folks and, um, and, uh, but, or, you know, other ancestral, I don't know what else is out there. I don't know, but, you know, maybe just more, you know, real food talk and all that sort of thing. Um, but it seemed pretty paleo dominant. Um, and, uh, so I was a little surprised by that and I wasn't sure if that was anyone else's take on the conference or not. Uh, okay. So I asked whether anyone else felt that way, and I didn't hear back from anybody, but right. that was when my you, take. Yeah, when you say that, do you mean um, because of the presenters, the audience? From what angle did it seem heavy paleo? You know, all the above. Um, okay. You know, um, the presenters, you know, Nora Goodgaudos, um, you know, uh, Dr. Rosedale, Rob Wolf, uh, Mark Sisson, um, that all seem, you know, and of course there's other researchers who may not necessarily associate themselves with the paleo movement per se. Um, uh, well, Chris Masterjohn, obviously, he, yeah, right. I think he leans more Western A. Price. Mm-hmm. Sure. But, um, so I don't know if it's all just kind of part of the same 
big thing or or if, or if paleo is really taking over the world. I'm not sure. I can't tell. <laughs> yeah, it is funny, though, that paleo has adopted, well, just by default, a lot of the work that was done by, you know, the Weston A. Price Foundation and things. So right. anything paleo is kind of already going to contain all those other elements. So, yeah, I guess you'll see a little bit of paleo everywhere. Right. That's what it seemed like to me. Um, but that was just my read. Was it dis- was it concerning to you or no? I guess I'm just, just kind of curious. Like, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of us cite uh, hunter gatherer groups and what they did or didn't do, and oh, you know, the Ketavans did this and the Inuit do this, and but you know, it'd be interesting to actually hear from people who've studied those populations, um, you know, and, and maybe give <laughs> mm-hmm. us all a little bit of a comeuppance, you yeah. know. Um, I just chowed on some buffalo salami, and I'm pretty sure that's not part of any ancestral diet mm-hmm. for the most part. Yeah. Um, you know, so I'm kind of interested in a little bit more of, you know, all the stuff that we're referencing and the things that we like to talk about. It'd be interesting to see more uh, where that originates. Cool. Did you get a chance to see Lieberman? I did see Lieberman. That, that was the very first um, talk. Mm-hmm. And he was entertaining, and he scared us all when he said that, you know, Romney, with all his many children, means he's very evolutionarily successful, right? Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> there were a lot uh-huh. of, um, you know, seats being shifted in the room. It got a yeah. little uncomfortable. But, um, yeah, he was an entertaining guy, and he actually uh, rounded up folks for a early morning barefoot run the next day, which I did not make um, because I was out partying too late, I'll be honest. But uh-huh. um, <laughs> uh yeah, he was a cool guy. That's cool. What did he what was his gig? What's he talking about there? Let's see. I've got the little brochure here. Um cuz you know, I was hardly I mean, trying to absorb all of this stuff. I mean, it's it's massive. It's crazy. Okay, so his presentation, what are humans adapted for? Okay. Um and uh let's see. Mm-hmm. He's a professor at Harvard, I think, right? That sounds familiar. Yeah. And uh yeah, adaptation. Oh, that's right. So he talked a lot about, um, I should have taken notes and such at these presentations, but I, I just try to pretend that I'm absorbing all of it somehow. Um, but yeah, yeah, he talked about adaptation and how, um, you know, a lot of things that we call symptoms are actually adaptations. Um, I'm trying to think of a really good example. Hmm. Um, but no, it's not going to come to me. That's fine. Time. Yeah. But anyway, that was a good talk. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I'm... I am, uh, I'm kind of on, on board with you there about getting, you know, discovering some of these uh, clues left to us by what's remaining of indigenous populations, you know. It is interesting, but then it's also used as such a crutch for everyone's theory. Right. Like you said, the Katavans. I'm tired of hearing it. I don't even know what it means anymore because I've heard it used to justify everything. Right. Okinawans, same thing. Yes. The the two opposite sides both hold up the same group of people to to back up their claims. I mean, right. yeah, it's crazy. Well, they're the outliers. I mean, so, right. but I think they just speak to human adaptability. I mean, and that's pretty amazing, you know, that we've mastered so many different environments um, and been able to thrive and continue. I mean, that's pretty cool stuff. And so, but yeah, I think we have to quit looking at these extremes and, and start kind of you know, I mean, there's a lot to learn there, but it might not always be applicable to everybody. Yeah, for sure. 
So what really caught your eye then? Who were the speakers that really spoke to you? Yeah. So, um, well, I think there were a lot of really good talks and I'll kind of gloss over these guys. Um, Matt Lalonde spoke on nutrient density, uh, Matt the Kraken. Mm-hmm. He was, a you know, a popular guy last year, um, or infamous, I guess, however you, uh, looked at it last year, but yeah, he had a little bit of, yeah, both. <laughs> But, you know, he, it's entertaining anyway. So, But, you know, we learned from his talk that bacon is actually quite nutrient-dense um, as long as you drain the grease off, I guess. And we also learned that white potatoes are more nutrient-dense than sweet potatoes, which was a big surprise to me. Yeah, everyone, the collective gasp. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he, he schooled us again. So that was, you know, that's good. Um, Terry Wall's presentation uh Something, you know, she, you know, I'm sure, did you see her TED talk at all? Of course, yes. Yeah, I think most people have. Um, She uh, basically gave us, you know, uh, a summary of that. Um, Something that she said, I don't remember hearing in the TED talk. Um, She said that she went paleo in 2002, but her uh, MS continued to decline even then. And I thought that was a really interesting tidbit because uh, a lot of us in paleo, you know, we're, we're prescribing this lifestyle to people as a cure. And I think that, you know, her situation uh, might suggest there's more to the story. Uh, so I thought that was a really good contribution. Yeah, I saw uh, some people tweeting that maybe they thought she, they kind of got the feeling she was just doing her TED Talk again. Well, you know, she presented new data at the end. She yeah, actually, I think that maybe that's, maybe that's what... Yeah, that's that's yeah. the difference, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, you know, she kind of it, it felt like she summarized it quickly, and and we got to the new stuff. Um, but boy, yeah, she uh, was going to put the smackdown on folks taking any photos of her slides with new data. She uh, she's waiting to release that when when they're ready for sure. So that was oh. kind of a fun treat. Yeah, to see that. That's cool. Yeah, and then um, let's see. Rob Wolf's talk uh, was really interesting. I was excited to see that he had new material. Um, he talked about uh, his involvement uh, with, um, gosh, I can't remember. There's a group in um, Nevada, no, sorry, Nevada. It is technically Nevada, not Nevada. Um, <laughs> um, uh, with uh, He gave a case study of um, the University of Nevada, uh, Las Vegas. They had three campus police officers, um, I believe, have... Uh, heart attacks within one year was it one year two years like they were dropping like flies basically Mm -hmm. and they um there was a group that started working with the police department to prevent that and rob presented this great you know biomarker biomarker data from before and after you know they started putting them on a more ancestral um type of diet and i mean the improvements were obvious Mm. and so they're basically not only saving lives, but also saving tons of money, you know, to corporations, health insurance, you know, by yeah, extension, right. the government, everybody. Yeah, you know? the municipalities themselves and, right. Exactly. So I love this angle of his. I think this is exciting. This is going to make pe- people pay attention. When you're talking about saving millions of dollars, um, people tend to pay attention. So I think that's a great way to go about it. Um, 
Let's see who else. Of course, Denise Minger, uh, the always entertaining and um, incredibly smart uh, Denise Minger, made us all laugh with horrifying slides of cooked sheep's heads and such. <laughs> uh, the moral of that story was, of course, eat more awful, which uh-huh. uh, we all talk about, and very few of us probably actually do. I know right. I'm terrible about it. What about you? Sign me up. I'm the. You're right. Muscle meat. I yep. don't. Yeah, organs. Whoa. Nope. I'm not on board. I get it. I know I'm going to die, <laughs> but I might die eating liver. <laughs> I know, right? I'm not sure which is the worst death. Right. I so, that. yeah, I know all the tricks. I've read every recipe, and someday I'll get around to it. Well, what about I, there was a, the idea, and you, maybe you've heard of this one too. You take liver, slice it up, and you freeze it, and yeah, then you that- just. That I do. It? Yeah. I actually yeah. did that for a while. Yeah. And I just got away from it. Well, we moved, we've, we were kind of in transition and we weren't really, for the past two years, we haven't had a place of our own. Hmm. My whole family. It's been really difficult. So all our, my experiments have been pretty short lived. I haven't been able to develop a routine, but yeah, I learned that trick from Chris Cresser. Uh-huh. You cut the liver into little pills, a size you could swallow or manage, you know? And then put those on a baking sheet, freeze them that way. Then once they're frozen, you can put them in a zip top bag. Just like blueberries. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Disgusting tasting blueberries. It's like the grossest ass blueberries (laughs) ever. But so what you can do, obviously, is swallow them if they're small, if you've cut them small enough. And then what I started doing was using them as ice cubes in hot soup. Soup was super hot. I drop a few of those in there. And um, they would kind of cook to, like, perfect doneness. So huh. it actually worked. And I was actually able to manage it that way. But, like I said, transitioning lifestyle, everything going crazy for us. So I kind of got away from that one. And you've got a gaggle of kiddos, yeah? Three. Three. Uh, little ones, you know. First grade, kindergarten, preschool. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm a, sounds like my family. <laughs> and I'm the full time dad, so that's a lot. So what's your what's the family scoop there? Uh, I've got um, my daughter will be three at the end of the month, um, and uh, so just the one. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, she keeps she keeps me busy enough as as it is. I think um, we might stop with one. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, Which we actually. Didn't... I guess we didn't know you could just stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know it's probably good that people don't know that. <laughs> yeah, I was I was we were paleo. <laughs> yeah. Well, and actually, so uh, the the two talks I think that really hit um, closest to home for me, and that I really want to follow up on more, um, actually concerned kids. Um, the uh, Dr. Peter Gray, who's an anthropologist, um, got up and, and spoke about um, play. Actually, let me see if I can find the name of the proper name of his uh, presentation. Mm-hmm. His name is Peter Gray. Yeah, Peter Gray. Oh, yeah, here we go. The role of play in the development of social and emotional competence, hmm. um, which is a really boring title for a really great talk. Um, he oh, yeah. Talked about well, he so first of all, so he's a, he's an older gentleman, you know, and he um, 
he, he admitted that he doesn't do PowerPoint and he gave us handouts. Now, when's the last time you went to a conference and got handouts? <laughs> handouts. Wow. But I really appreciated it, though, because then you get to go home with something to actually follow up on, you know, which was really nice. Huh. Um, I'm kind of, I guess I'm kind of an analog person that way. Um, I'm a writer and you know, I, I still to this day, like, prefer handwriting notes and things. And I see everyone on their devices and I just can't quite can't quite do it um i have to do it on paper first and then transfer it over mm-hmm. yeah uh, i do i I do all my notes on paper i prefer to well that's good to hear at least i'm not a total luddite <laughs> are you left-handed i'm not no, no. okay and I've you s- uh yes and i've yeah. just seen a few note takers that were lefties which i thought was really weird hmm. i thought maybe it was the brain well you know yeah it's my yeah, my brain is. Anyway, we won't go there. So anyway, so this, this presentation about um, children and play it was fascinating. So he compared hunter gatherer cultures, um, children and American children, and uh, so <laughs> it's kind of disconcerting to learn that there is no whining in hunter gatherer children. No whining. No whining. Yeah. So we're clearly doing something wrong. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to ship my daughter to the Amazon. So they don't even have that sound. They don't even make, they, no. don't ha- they do not exhibit that behavior. No. And I think if, if, if we look at it, obviously, you know, the way they're being raised is very different. You know, there's people all, all over this already, right? I mean, attachment parenting, you know, draws from this sort of discrepancy in the way that we raise our children. Um, you know, um, did I see a tweet? Are you a co-sleeper? Um, no. No. Well, no, no, not especially not for the toddlers. Okay. We did for the infant. Okay. As infants. Yep. I remember you tweeted something about how kids have a hard time going to sleep in the dark and, you know, when you think about that in, you know, human historical terms, no child was left in the dark to sleep by themselves. That would have meant abandonment and or death. And death. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so the there's technique, just so many things we're doing wrong, basically. Yeah, the technique I used was I sat beside their bed until they fell asleep, hmm. regardless of how long that took. Wow. And what brought that on was them getting out of bed 13 times <laughs> and, you know, coming into our room. Right. So uh, the technique I learned was just to sit there and not to talk and not to be supportive, not but by using words. But just sit by the bed, and even if they get out, you literally just just talk them back in, and, and you never say a word. Huh. And you just do that over and over and over and over again. Sometimes you might have to do it literally a dozen times. Wow. And you just do that, and you just do it for a while, and then it just goes away. Then they end up just sleeping on their own. You know, I'm, I'm glad you told me that, because we're going... Uh, my daughter hasn't figured out how to get out of the crib yet, so I've been thrilled about that. Um, and you know, maybe she'll be five before she figures it out. That would be awesome. But yeah, she'll I probably surprise that... you. It'll probably happen tonight. Right. <laughs> they're they're right. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. She's listening to me right now. <laughs> but, um, yes, you know, so I'm expecting that we're probably gonna have to deal with this in the next year. And I'm just, you know, my knees are shaking about it. Cause I know that it's a time, another time when parents are kind of sleep deprived. Yeah. Once they can climb out, then you got to put the bed flat. That's right. my thing. Just just disassemble the crib no matter what it takes, even if you have to just set the mattress on the floor. Right. If you don't have a convertible type fancy bed. And yeah, and 
I would just, I would just sit there. We would try, of course, to just leave them on their own and see if it would work. And then if not, just sit there. It's hmm. no big deal. A little sacrifice goes a long way. Well, I'll have to file that away for later. I'll try to so, remember where I learned that and I'll, I'll forward <laughs> it to you. Sweet. So anyway, so mm-hmm. we're basically all doing all kinds of things wrong. Um, but he also talked about, um, Dr. Peter Gray, he talked about um, that, um, what is he, he used some special word, pathopsychology or something, um, that uh, basically problems in children's behavior is directly related to how little play they get. So meaning like with less play, you get more behavioral problems. Hmm. And that this has been a cultural shift for decades at this point, and that like unstructured playtime for kids is at like an unprecedented low. Okay. Um, and that that's something that really needs to be corrected. That we really need to start looking at the way we educate our children. Um, you know, the sorts of activities that we have them in all the time, um, and that basically every, the world we're creating for them is not actually for them it's not actually for what they need and you well, know, no no because we want yeah right i mean we want them to be little adults right yeah and you know i had a friend tell me that her sister um does aid work uh overseas and this <laughs> this was a game she saw five-year-olds playing i think in tanzania they would blindfold each other pick up a machete run about 50 feet with the machete pick up a coconut on the ground, put it between their legs, and then chop it open with the machete, all blindfolded. Whoa. Five-year-olds. <laughs> that is awesome. I told <laughs> I my wife it was okay for the kids to play with the kettlebells. Oh. <laughs> so I got some backing now. Yeah, exactly. Kettlebells and, you know, and machetes. You know, some lessons can be learned no other way, you know. <laughs> and a broken foot when you drop a kettlebell, you uh-huh. know. unstructured play exactly i just we don't even have a machete so we're i'm fine well that's good so unstructured play is the key for children what else did anything else in that one well um well right directly after that presentation um i'm gonna murder his name frank forenchik okay the exuberant animal guy um, who uh, I I read his books and I I really uh, enjoy his exercise philosophy. I'm not even sure I can say exercise. Um, that's like a bad word, you know. Um, but uh, he gave a great talk on community and uh, you know more about the holistic human animal kind of aspect about community and and um, well, he told a funny story. He said that he showed up in Botswana to kind of hang out with this. Um, with a group there and his guide picked him up and was like, where's your family? He was completely disturbed. Where's your family? And, and Frank said, Oh, you know, they're at home. And, and this guide, like apparently this went for a half an hour. He could not believe that Frank had left his family at home and had flown all the way across the world without his family mm-hmm. because you simply would never do that ever in, in this group in Botswana. And he showed us an aerial photograph of, of where these people live. And you see the savanna, and you see these little, like, pockets of green trees and such. And Frank's like, you know, how long do you think you would survive out in this landscape by yourself? Right. Not very long. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Um, you know, and here we are in our Western culture, and we're all about rugged individualism, and you know, everyone needs to take care of themselves, and and you know, this and that, and you know, which is all well and good, but we're really missing something crucial. Uh, you know, when we forget about our community, you know, whether that's your family or the community that you've built up around yourself, and you know, and especially with children, they really benefit from that kind of community too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Community, family. I love that one. I, I've never heard of him before. The exuberant animal. Oh, yeah. He's great. Great yeah. stuff. New to me. That's Do you know cool. MoveNat as well? Have you yeah, heard I've Mo- heard of MoveNat. Okay. So his style of movement and, um, you know, kind of functional fitness and play is is very similar. Um, they're all kind of um, in a category together, and it's great stuff. And kids love doing it, too, which is, is really another fun thing to share with, with kiddos. Oh, that's yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, check them out. Will do. Ah, airplane. Helicopter. Oh, helicopter. Pretty low. <laughs> They're coming for you. Yeah. They found you. There ain't nothing going on over here. They're like, we're taking your scopey. No, they'd yeah, they'd be so bored they'd just walk away. <laughs> we heard you're fermenting here. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and there's so little of that going on anymore. Really? Yeah. What? Well, we just not moved fermento in. Fermento is not fermenting? Yeah, I know. This is breaking news. Yeah, and that's why I'm going to change the name of the podcast. <laughs> Fraudulent. <laughs> Somebody discovers the world. <laughs> yeah, moving was a real, a real beat down. I never did get it back together quite, but I keep a few things, important things going, but. got to have the kombucha so i keep that going right yeah i mean aren't you're you're really into the gut health stuff yeah yeah i think that's that's it that's that's the th- that's my thing yeah for sure if you if you can do nothing else at least at least shoot for gut health <laughs> right so when where are we at here day 2 Oh my, I don't even know what day we're on. Um, I've been kind of smushing it all together. Um, It's all running together for me anyway. okay, that's fine. But, um, let's see. Um, Well, so, should I talk about the conference itself? Absolutely, yeah. Is that interesting to anybody? It it is, because do people want to go? Is it worth going to? What are the activities? Food? All that stuff counts. Absolutely. Well, okay, so, well, and... I don't know if you've been online the last couple well couple days since the conference, but oh, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of criticism out there, and I'm yeah. really shocked at people. Like, I don't know if I'm just like a generally happy person that just kind of takes whatever comes along, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's great, or you know, if I'm just really missing something. I mean, that's entirely possible. I don't know, um, but to me. I really thought that they, you know, especially for only being the second year this thing's been going on, I mean, I, I really felt like, you know, it was a pretty smooth operation. Um, the volunteers were working hard, you know. They really, I feel like they did a really darn good job. And, you know, the facilities were beautiful and great. And there was plenty of, you know, opportunity to get outdoors when you needed it. And and the, the catering was good, you know. That's always kind of a scary thing. But I thought that they did a great job. Um, with that, uh, feeding you know a bunch of hungry people. I mean, that's not a small a small job at all. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't know. Did you read that <laughs> the one blog post by a really unhappy volunteer? Yes, it was, she was the one that worked under Beth Mazur yeah, or whatever her name so. is. Yeah, yeah, and Beth's great, by the way. I met her; she was fantastic. I, I don't know her. Um, I see that she talks to Dr. Cruz a lot. Um, oh, she might have had some type of um, physical ailment that he had a specialty in or something because they used to interact oh. a lot. Huh. I don't really know. I don't know where that came from, <laughs> but um, I did see that blog post. And I don't know who that is that wrote that, or I didn't. I didn't quite get it. Yeah, it was someone that volunteered there that was just very unhappy. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I mean, I hate that anybody had that kind of an experience, but at the same time, people I have that experience when they go to the grocery store, though. So I know isn't it you so have tr- to take it into con- into context. Right. Um, her opinion's not invalid. I wouldn't discount it, but I would also want to know more. Especially if I could talk to Beth, someone who is above her, right? You know what I mean? Another perspective. Right. Because you never know where someone's coming from. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, So, I, you know, I'm not sure if, um, I mean, I had a great time and um, sure, I mean, there's always room for improvement, but it's also, they're squeezing so much into three days. I mean, like, what they possibly do? But she flat out called everyone there racist, pretty much. Right. Yeah, that was lovely. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't and wealthy, even step into that and, yet, and so. wealthy as if it's a badge of dishonor or the grossest thing she'd ever encountered. Like it's the filthiest thing. Was that these right. wealthy white people? And I had mentioned on previous call that people that attend conferences that travel typically are wealthy because I, it's expensive. Know, I don't mean wealthy as in not one percenters, just people <laughs> right. that can get by. That can afford to fly, take time off work, leave their family. It does, unfortunately, yeah. require some money. So, And it's a health conference. That's why a lot of the people there were healthy. Right. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we have to be honest about this stuff. I mean, my husband, he's an emergency physician. And, you know, lucky me. But even we're freaking out over the bills for this trip. I mean, yeah. I don't know how people do this, like, all year long. I just, I'm amazed that people mm-hmm. just go from conference to conference because, man, is it pricey. Yeah, it might be like a little uh, addiction thing, like the, um, in Fight Club. <laughs> Ooh, what are they getting away from? Ooh, yeah. that sounds like a good movie, right. Conference Hoppers or that, something. Yeah, ex- absolutely. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and then what you do is invent controversy and blog about it. Exactly. And just get massive attention. And then bitch about the people that are... Yeah, so right now it's really popular to complain about people complaining. <laughs> and then we can complain about those people and eventually just something black I did, I did on Twitter. I complained <laughs> about the people who complained about complainers. So I'm really filthy. <laughs> So anyway, I don't yeah. know. I had a great time. That's good. I thought it was it was well done. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the one big black hole for me, and maybe you've you've seen this, the barefoot banquet <laughs> that they held mm-hmm. um, at the Charles Hotel um, was a fantastic idea, and I don't blame the conference um, organizers whatsoever for this. I think the hotel just had no idea who they were dealing with. This was, you know, everyone who was there, except for a few gate crashers, I won't mention any names, <clears throat> George, and um, I, uh, <laughs> we all paid 55 bucks to be there. Okay. And uh, so this place was just packed, 
and there were supposed to be like you know substantial hors d'oeuvres going around, and uh, you know the menu sounded good. I think there were like chicken livers wrapped in bacon and you know mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And I am not even kidding. I never saw a lick of food. What really? Yeah, and I was far from the only person. And um, I think Chris Cresser said he got like one chocolate covered strawberry. Um, so we all paid fifty five dollars for the privilege of basically of not hanging eating. out. Yeah, and at one point, everyone figured out, this is so funny, everyone figured out where the waiters were coming out uh, of, Yeah, like, you know, the servers with the mm-hmm. trays, and they there was literally a crowd they just built posted around there. the door, yeah. and they just attacked the, the server, you know, yeah. and I thought, you know, we should just, like, as a group, like, herd all the servers together and run them off a cliff like right. they were a mammoth, and then yeah, they could all yeah. just feed on whatever they had. Everything that's left over, right. Yeah, so it was kind of, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure what happened, but um, it had a lot of potential, and it just didn't quite happen. So a bunch of us went out to dinner afterwards and um, <laughs> That's just crazy. solved the problem that way. Yeah, to go to dinner after the banquet. Exactly. Oh. So that yeah. was the only true bummer for me. Um, what else? Um Oh, the other big uh, problem people are having, I guess, is that I think a lot of us are ready to move on from the carb and the safe starches talk. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, um, I'm i a friend of Jimmy Moore's, and I appreciate, you know, a lot of his work. Um, but uh, I think just for any – this is probably more a reflection of where I'm, I'm at with my personal paleo journey more than anything. Okay. But, it, you know, I've, I've had to answer that question for myself already. Um, and so listening to the panel and I did go to that, that panel discussion, um, of, of Jimmy's, um, uh, which let's see who was on that panel. It was, um, Dr. Rosedale, Dr. Kate Shanahan, uh, Chris Kresser and Paul Jaminet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I personally had, you know, some issues last year. I went, you know, when we started, we went hardcore, low carb, you know, zero, you know, very little carbs probably other than some leafy greens and very little fruit and you know about six months in my hair started falling out which was great and um and then I started having energy problems I wasn't recovering from exercise or from a bad night's sleep speaking of sleep I Mm -hmm. couldn't sleep very well like you know um my libido disappeared I'm Mm -hmm. sure everyone wants to hear about that so um you know these are real things. And so by adding in some, some fruit and some sweet potatoes and a little bit of rice occasionally, mm-hmm. um, I feel a lot better. And I think it's, you know, I just get really tired of hearing, you know, some of the anti-carb folks um, talk against that as though I'm going to die because I'm eating a potato or, you know, that mm-hmm. that I'm not going to live to be, you know, 96 um, because of it, I, you know, and, and maybe the research bears that out, but I have to say, I mean, if I'm not feeling good and doing something makes me feel better, I have to say that has to be more optimal for me. So yeah. And when, and when yeah. yeah, the key is you actually just, you said it exactly perfectly. A lot of people use the excuse, well, I, you know, um, my, my body spoke to me. Well, if you're an addict, your body's speaking to you in all kinds of ways, exactly. right? Exactly. You I need love sugar. That. If you're a sugar addict, you've, <laughs> there's so many messages hitting you. If you're an alcoholic, you your body needs alcohol, right? Right. You think right. they're d- doing this because you want to? No, your body's great, you know, demanding it. So it's a really stupid way to look at things. But you said it the right way because 
you it optimized you. Right. You improved your sleep, your hair stopped falling out, right? All these things are markers of successful living. Yeah, exactly. And all it required was a little bit of N equals one, a little experiment. You have to start somewhere. You got to give it a try. And I do like the way you said that. You've already been through it. So sometimes when you hear these old messages again, you're like, oh, I know. I already know all this, you know. <laughs> I have to remind myself that all the time. People say, right. "Why? what's wrong with grain-fed meat? What's wrong with grain-fed? <laughs> you know, and I have to start over again. I have to remember 101. Right. And I have to kind of come up with, I got to get a, a better, you know, a, a 30-second sell. I got, I, I got to work on that a little bit. Because you can just look at someone and be like, what are you, stupid? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, someone even said at the conference that maybe it would be better to have kind of like a beginner's track and like the more advanced track. of. Yeah, that's not the first time I've heard that. But you know, how mm-hmm. realistic is that really? And who thinks they're a beginner anyway? Nobody. <laughs> yeah, especially if you're actually going to the conference. Right. Do I mean, who doesn't know what paleo is and then shows up at the conference? Other than journalist that's right. assigned to it. it. Yeah. Yeah. At the conference, I don't see Paleo 101 as making any sense. Right. Or exactly. Ancestral 101. Maybe from a, a really hardcore clinical, like when a like Lieberman or someone like that talks. You know, right. it's a little bit outside of um, your general N equals one experiments. So there he can start a little softer, but. Yeah, I don't see a two-track program working very well. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how they would possibly accommodate that. So. It's stupid to spend the money to travel to a conference to learn what you <laughs> could learn on the internet, though. It, yeah, exactly. I mean, all this information's out there. You know? I love, like, Rob Wolf or Mark Sisson's site. You don't even need to buy their books. You just go there right. and read it, and then, yep. yeah. That's why anytime I hear criticism of them, that they're all about, you know, selling supplements or, you know, whatever, I I just, I kind of shake my head because I'm like, these guys are helping so many people for free, Mm -hmm. you know, they're also pretty accessible, you know, I mean, I've, I've been able to chat with both of them via email, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, on top of that, like, the other part of that argument is like, is nobody supposed to make money off paleo? Come on, people, seriously. Right. Like, somebody has to be able to do this because otherwise it's going to die. I mean, someone's got to make money doing this and, you know, I wish it were me, but that's not going to happen. Yeah, I'm I'm constantly looking for angles and ways to do it in a way that I, I trust or believe in. Um, that is the tough thing. I've talked about this on podcasts that I've appeared on did not know anything about paleo. And then when I try to explain it, the thing I off, I love to promote is the idea that there are no bars, milkshakes, supplements, boxed foods, things to buy. You can't even buy those if you want to from Rob Wolf. You know what I mean? Right. And now it will eventually happen. I mean, that's just, that's just the market meeting the demand. You know, people, people want to be paleo, but they also want convenience. So these products are going to appear. And it'll just be up to us to to figure out what they're made of <laughs> and if they're worth their weight. That's absolutely true. And But, you know, at the same time, and, and I think that we are kind of hitting a critical mass with that. Like, um, you know, I get Paleo Magazine, um, and their advertising is getting really interesting. Like, every time I get it, there's some new food company I've never heard of. And, and I'm like, well, that's great, but 
how many different variations of like jerky nuts and you know chocolate are we going to get out of this like there's just not a lot of wiggle room there <laughs> so i don't know how many more food companies we can really you know yeah it's um it needs a whole new model i'm i it just you know it it it's it's a really confounding thing because there it at its core it is not about product so right. i mean it, it then it's when you know it's working right <laughs> when there's nothing to buy <laughs> unfortunately yep. the way our the way we function is uh, someone needs to get paid for selling some shit to somebody right So, content producers should produce incredibly high-quality content in charge for it. I think that's what you have to do. Right. Charge for the magazine, charge for the podcast, charge for the web. And the books and the cookbooks. And the books and and all that. Yep. Yep. America's Test Kitchen is very successful, and they don't, you know, have you ever heard of them? Oh, Yeah. And they don't take any advertising. Yeah, I have a I have an evil story about them. Yeah? Yeah. Let's so, <laughs> so totally off topic. They um so I had a, a subscription to their um their uh magazine for a while. And uh what is it called? Cooks? Cook or Cooks. Yeah, cooks. something like that. Yeah. And um I magically got this box in the mail one day and you know, thinking, well, I didn't order anything, oh, and mm-hmm. and uh, I opened it, and it's this big, gorgeous cookbook, you know, and it's like, cooks, you know, America's Test, test Kitchen, best of recipes or something. Yep. And I noticed the note inside, and it said, if, if you keep it for 30 days, we'll just charge your credit card. Oh, boy. And I thought, holy moly, what wow. if I were out of town, and it was yeah. just sitting on my doorstep, or like... You know, what so if you somehow you, know, you had opted into this probably in some form maybe you filled out? Yeah, who you knows? You know what I mean? When you're I clicking know. through four pages of online yes, 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 yes. Exactly. Yeah. And so yeah, you're right. And that's a, that's probably I should be a little more generous about it. But yeah, I shipped it back and canceled my subscription. I just I was like, I can't believe they just did that to me. You yeah, know? that totally sucks. <laughs> e- either way, whether you opted in without even knowing or they just did it it's it's to, it's bullshit either way yeah that's that's terrible yeah you know and I, I really want to support companies especially when they're not aggressive about marketing and they won't take advertising you know or i really want to support those guys but you know even then it's you get burned sometimes yeah right <laughs> oh so mm-hmm. I, I completely forgot so about the conference the yeah. um I think the best thing, and I think this is what a lot of people say, the best thing is obviously the social aspect, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I, I came to this conference knowing one person who is going. That would be um, my my friend Stephanie, um, who's at Cooking Dirty on Twitter. And uh, so I thought, you know, at least I'll know one person when I get there. And, you know, I had made a couple other acquaintances at Paleo FX this past year, too. And I thought, well, it'll be all right. And, you know, I'm an introvert of a pretty high level, and so, you know, going into this was kind of, you know, uh, a little frightening, but um, 
I left with a whole group of friends and huh. people, and you know, that I'm collaborating with now. And, and uh, I mean, that's what's amazing about these conferences. That's why we do this, you know. And speaking of all that community building, right, like, that's why we do this. We're, it's so amazing yeah. to be around like-minded people and to know that when you go to a restaurant with them and you tell, you know, the server you don't want any bread or whatever, that they're not going to ask you a million questions and look at you funny or whatever. Um, uh, but I mean, it's just, it's an awesome feeling to be amongst, you know, your people. <laughs> yeah. That's the tribe. I mean, that, that's where it's at. I was talking to Tori Freeman earlier, you know, Mercatroyd. Oh yes. And, uh, he was kind of mentioning the same things. Um, he was looking at it from a concert angle. His wife had mentioned that it was kind of like a fish concert for <laughs> <laughs> paleo people. Like it's, it's a tribe just like any other, except even perhaps more tribal because of what you're after. Right. Yeah. It's pretty, that's pretty cool. That's very cool. Yeah. So when are you going to go? Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. When am I going to go? To be honest, I'd probably go to the fermentation festival first. Yeah. Um, just because that's just so peculiar and bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> and I know no one that's go that goes there. You know what I mean? Where is it? Um, well, it's in California. Okay. Uh, last year it was in Sebastopol, which is just north of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And I think this year it's somewhere else. But I haven't checked into it because, I, well, I can't go. Well, there you go. <laughs> I just <laughs> let it all go. <laughs> I find out about everything on Skype. Really? Well, everyone I interview. Hmm. Just tell me what's going on in the world. Oh, I can't help you there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm getting my conference goodies here, so. So, did you did you think it was um well, would you go back in 13? Um, yeah, you know, I I told my husband before I left, I was like, you know, I just got to go to, you know, AHS at least once and you know, I probably won't go again cuz I'm kind of over the whole nutrition thing, you know. Like, I feel like it's kind of dialed in. Like, you can only talk about this stuff so much, you know, and, and that's partly why my, my own blog has also kind of been on hiatus lately. Um, and I'm a little more interested in the movement aspect of things and um, play and, and, and uh, you know, the functional fitness stuff, um, which is where I feel my focus shifting. So I kind of thought, you know, I'll just go this once and do the nerdy, you know, lecture thing and, and I'll be done with it. But it was such a blast. <laughs> And, you know, I, like I said, I'm, you know, just made so many new friends that it would be a shame not to get to see them, you know, once or twice a year. So I might have to commit myself to going to AHS every year and, uh, um, and Paleo FX as well, which was another really great conference with a lot of promise, um, in Austin mm -hmm. and, uh, and, you know, hanging out with, you know, the tribe, like you said, I mean, yeah, I, that's, yeah. that's the value of it. And I, you know, you come out of these things and, um, I feel like I had so much to bring home, you know, um, there was a lot of talk on food policy. There was a lot of, um, you know, talk about children and, and community. And I, I just felt like I had a lot to bring home with me. And sometimes, you know, you just got to get that tank filled again, you know, and get your inspiration, uh, fired up again. And I think that's what these, these events are really good for. Oh, that, that's awesome! Yeah, they should. Um, maybe we'll start like a family reunion instead. 
<laughs> like completely unstructured. Make it more like a Burning Man, a old school outdoor something. Right. <laughs> I actually have friends in Michigan who do that, um, and uh, you know they have a huge family, and they call it Pyro Fest. And they have a huge bonfire, you know, on this farm and, and everyone camps out together. And I've been swearing for years I've, I was going to go. So maybe I just need to go next year. Yeah, absolutely. Or start the Paleo family reunion and then we'll yeah. all meet up. That's not a bad idea. We could just pick a spot that's kind of central. Mm-hmm. You know, that'd be cool. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds like fun. <laughs> I might actually. Well, no, I wouldn't go. <laughs> <laughs> You bastard. Yeah, I don't I don't participate. I just pretend well. You get me all excited. And, and then, then forget it. Let yeah, me go. Never mind. <laughs> Karen, that was really cool. Thanks for the wrap up. Yeah. And um Well, let's spin them in on the so you you befriended Tori there? Yes. Tori Freeman? Yep. And um kind of formed a little click there. Yeah, um, you know, Tori being a super cool guy and, and his wife too. And um, although I didn't get to see much of her, I think she was being very responsible about her sleep, unlike the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, we bonded over, you know, I was like Mercatroid, like, you know, it's his Twitter handle. And I'm right. like, that's Snagglepuss, right? <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> and if I'd had a drink in me, I'd probably do an impression, but I right. won't. But you'll let that go for now save you guys from okay. that but um yeah so we bonded over that and, and yeah. uh yeah cool guy and then um it's funny because well okay so i should i should back up a couple steps so you know when you're at this conference and everyone's like oh are you on twitter because right. we know everybody by their handles mm-hmm. so uh in addition to mercatroid who's tory there's uh crunchy frog um tom pencer um, and uh, Cooking Dirty is Stephanie Schilling. Um, Primal Balance is Kendall Kendrick. Um, who else was there? Um, oh, of course, Gone to Croatan, mm-hmm. uh, Lindsay Stark, the the uh, <laughs> infamous and irreverent Lindsay Stark. Right. Um, let's see, who else is there? Oh, Alec. Alec Henderson, the, the quiet guy, the, the polite guy, actually, um, but... Um, a great time too. Um, uh, and I think that's, I think that'll, that's it. That well, and you're a friend cooking dirty, right? Did you mention her? Yeah. Yeah. I mentioned her. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be a new team tentatively titled paleo posse, which I hope they change, but <laughs> I'm not in charge. I'll still be on board, but it should be a lot of fun. And hopefully reignite some fires. I know everyone's blog is kind of burned out. Mm-hmm. And if you want to go at blogging, you got to start worrying about, you got to justify it at some point and get some return. So everyone's fighting for a money angle, audience, all these things. And I kind of like this idea of teaming up. Yes. And um, bringing some good stuff. I completely agree. In fact, I've thought a lot about this. Obviously, I'm having blog burnout myself, um, and I've I've done some marketing work in my past, and you uh, know um, I've been thinking about this. And I'm like, we paleo bloggers are crazy. Like we're going at this all by ourselves. We're not getting paid for it. This is in addition to like our day jobs, our mm-hmm. family obligations, you know, whatever else we have going on. That's crazy. You know, we need to start 
consolidating effort and you know working on our strengths um, together. Especially if you study, if you pay attention to what they're telling you at these <laughs> seminars, <laughs> is that it is community. It is the tribe. It is the team. It is the. It's all that. And yet, when we go home, that's you know, it's just a one way communication and blogging. It's kind of ridiculous. Totally, you know, and we're all lanterns unto ourselves, and boy, that gets lonely after a while, you mm-hmm. know. Especially when you've reached the end of what you wanted to say about your experience. Like, you might right. hit a lull. You might, like you said, you've got your nutrition dialed in. How the hell much more can you blog about it yeah. without being repetitive and boring? You're not discovering new nutritional techniques for yourself. Right, or you're, just chasing the next junks, you know, research that just came out, like, about the egg yolks thing. Like, I just... Yeah. Can't yeah. talk about stupid things anymore. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Eat so, your yolks, folks. You exactly. You eat the whole foods. Well, most of them. But um, yeah. Thanks. That was that was really cool, and I think this is going to be a pretty cool and fun and awesome project. I I hope so. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, you just gotta like get out there and just quit worrying about it. Yeah, you know, yeah I kind of yeah. wished we'd been able to do this in the morning when I was freshly caffeinated. That's when I'm really scary. So. Oh yeah. You bring the yeah. good stuff then. Just keep oh, that yeah. in mind and seriously, use it to your advantage. Totally. I'm the late night guy. Ah. And, um, but I can, I'm flexible, so I can do whatever. <laughs> but um, yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. And all right. I think we're going to wrap it up. All right. And this should be fun. I'm going to edit out a lot of this banter that we're doing. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> and um, I'm just going to try to keep it on the AHS stuff. Make me sound good. Thanks. Yeah, if you think we did bad, you should have heard my conversation with Lindsay. We didn't even talk about AHS, so I don't <laughs> even know if I'm going to be able to use it. <laughs> oh, I was awful. I don't even know. I was talking about all kinds of crap. So yeah, she, she brings out she brings out the best in people in that way. You know, yeah, randomness. I'm really so far from meeting a few of you. It's just been fantastic. Yeah, it's, I'm really excited. So. Yeah, I'm glad you're on board. So you came on what, via Tori? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you weren't even at the conference. Didn't even go. He's giving me a he's giving me a pass. Yeah, you get a free pass. Yep. I was actually like one of the I think one of the first people that we've been we've known each other online for like a year. Huh. So we've been talking for quite a while. So I'm a big fan of his and he kept a very, very, very low an anonymous profile for a long time. Right. So now that he's out I'm going to go get him. Dragged him out, kicking and screaming. Right, right. Well, cool. Well, thanks for having me on. It was cool to finally get to talk to you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was great. And um, there will be more to come. Yeah, awesome. All right, take care of the family. All right, yeah, you too. All right. Get fermenting for crying out loud. Okay, thanks. All right. All right, bye. Bye. Hello. Hey, is this Brian? This is Brian. Hey, Brian. It's Alec. How you doing? Hey, good. You? I'm doing all right. Awesome. Is the, uh, is the audio okay for you today? I'm actually in the car right now, um, so I want to do a make sure it's okay. If not, I actually do a... it. Actually, doesn't sound too bad. All right. That sounds fine. Okay.
So what are you, how are you, you doing? Good, <laughs> and you? What are you talking on there? Uh, I'm t- actually I'm on my phone right now here. Oh, okay. Skype on the road. Is it Skype or are you are you using a Skype app? I'm using a Skype app, correct? Huh, interesting. Never tried it. Really? No. I've it, I've never tried uh, calling a, a Skype number from it. I've always called telephone numbers from the Skype app. Huh. So. So it sounds like you've had a full day of interviews today. A little bit, a couple hours. Okay. But it was all fun stuff, so it's not work. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool talking to uh, Lindsay and Karen. <clears throat> oh, cool. Okay, so Lindsay and Karen are on the menu. So Lindsay's been making the rounds with a lot of folks. Yeah, she's all over. So uh, what do you want to talk about today? Um. Well... I started off talking to uh, Lindsay, and, uh, you know, of course, we wanted to do the AHS recap, but her and I ended up just rambling on about everything. <laughs> and then uh, me and Karen did a little, maybe a little better job keeping it focused. Okay. But still, um, these are people I want to get to know. So I I think it was my fault. I kind of drug it off course a little bit. Because, <laughs> you know, and typically in my interviews, I just want the person to tell me, Whatever it is that they do or whatever, you know? Absolutely. But, but, but this was a little bit different, and I was just more interested in them, so... We just chatted. Well, they, they are a fun... Yeah, they are a fun pair. I'm glad, I'm glad to have gotten to have meet, met them in person at the yeah, Ancestral Health Symposium. So, that's why you're here. AHS-12. Perfect. So, yeah, it had a fantastic time, actually. This was... Yeah, the the second time going ancestral health symposium. Obviously, the first round being in my kind of my, in my backyard in Lewis, so it was nice to get to do a little bit of a travel as an excuse. Okay, perfect. I I didn't hear what you said about um, AHS. Oh, it was it was nice to get to do a little bit of traveling for the ancestral health symposium this year. Um, I live in Los Angeles, and so having the inaugural ancestral health symposium in LA last year at UCLA was was nice having it in my backyard, but. Getting to go out and you know be in and amongst the people instead of going home every night was uh, was nice. It, it, it lended itself to getting to meet more people and kind of making some stronger ties. Oh, cool, yeah, a bit more tribal when you got to travel. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, being out, you know, from Southern California, going out there with uh, with the humidity was was a heck of a lot of fun. We were all trying to acclimate to it, and it's so funny for all of us who are in the community we try and live our lives, you know, as close to this ancestral health, you know, paradigm that we see. And yet we go to this symposium. We don't get any sleep because we've flown in from all across the nation and all across the world. We eat horribly because we're having fun. We drink, we party. And so, you know, we end up coming home trashed and having not done anything that we would normally do at home. So, (laughs) but no, it was, it was a good time this year. And I think the the best part, you know, obviously hearing all of the talks um, were inspiring and, you know, kind of helped us start, you know, bringing some new ideas of what we can bring to the table. But just getting in and actually meeting the folks that you talk, I mean, 140 characters is not a way to build a relationship as much as we'd like to. And, you know, when you work in a medium like that, it's difficult sometimes to, to build those relationships. So getting to be in person, to, you know, to get to know each other, to find out kind of what everybody's, you know, background is. We all have these certain specialities, and we're all working to, you know, to bring this kind of 
this kind of experience to people and you know as many tools as you can get in your tool chest always seems to be the right way to go about it yeah that's awesome so in one aspect the um social networking helped support the movement and yet it's lacking it needs a little more doesn't it oh absolutely i mean the i mean the internet social networking i don't mean the the movement itself yeah well it's funny because it's it's, I don't think it would be possible without, you know, it would be much more difficult at least without having that kind of social network and, and you know, and in the internet age, obviously, you know, we're able to take a piece of research that just gets released. I mean, sometimes even before it hits the science writers in the media, read through the paper, send it around to, you know, what are arguably some of the, the experts in the world when it comes to biochemistry, you know, and, and research design and, you know, and, and be able to validate whether or not the, it, the setup for the study was done well, whether or not there were any, you know, confounding factors, you know, whether or not there were any business interests in the background, and, and mount whether it's either a support, you know, support of the paper or, you know, or a teardown of the paper if need be before it really hits the mainstream media. Mm. So mm-hmm. that ability to work at the speed that we are now is, is very advantageous, where before, there is amount of time, an amount of time for it to get entrenched in kind of the, the thought or the culture of the nation. And at this point right now, again, we don't have any really major hooks into the mainstream media to get that rebuttal out other than, the, you know, the U.S. News and World Report study that came out where Dr. Cortain kind of wrote a rebuttal when they, when they ranked the, the paleo diet pretty poorly. But we're getting there. We're getting a little bit more recognition in the media. You know, the results, obviously, like with what Rob Wolf is doing with the uh, – um, specialty health in Reno. We're seeing results. The results are driving the movement. So, I like that the speed at which things can uh, move and we can respond. Yeah, that is that is that is the exciting part about this social networking for sure. Tell folks a little bit about yourself and your background and paleo for you. Yeah, you know it's funny. Um, my name's Alec, obviously, um, and I came to paleo probably you know about 2008 or 2009. Uh, was doing CrossFit after I got out of college. Uh, I was a collegiate rower in Southern California and kind of got in the CrossFit scene, um, really enjoyed kind of that whole aspect of it but and started doing some coaching. And so my first kind of entrance into the uh, the whole ancestral health movement was actually going to one of the CrossFit nutrition seminars and listening to Rob Wolf speak. And, you know, getting in there, hearing Rob speak, trying out the plan, you know, kind of changing up what my diet was. And I saw great results myself, more so than, than physical body type changes, more mental clarity and, you know, a better personality changes. I think it made me a happier and more, more e- or a better easy to be around. It made me more mm-hmm. of a social creature. Oh, okay. And then kind of from there, just kind of went down the rabbit hole. So um, right now I'm working in, uh, working in marketing right now, but my goal ultimately is to uh, become a firefighter. And so for me, the ancestral health, movement especially again with what you know i can't echo enough with what rob is doing with saving firefighters and police officers lives by doing some diet and lifestyle interventions is right up my alley so hmm. you know i think it's uh i think it's exciting times and especially right now with the economy being the way that it is if we can save municipalities money by lowering the incidences of you know fatalities on our public health workers you know either through diet or lifestyle interventions you know, we've done a good job. We've saved lives, and we've also saved money. So that's kind of my shtick. 
Yeah, wow. That's that's awesome. So you're training to become a firefighter currently? So, you know, training to become a firefighter currently? Yeah, absolutely. So we're uh, hmm. the job market, at least here in Southern California, is uh, um, pretty thick with applicants and, and pretty sparse when it comes to jobs. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's getting to be an exciting process. But, you know, in, in all due time, it'll come around. So Cool. Good luck with that. That's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, um, I would commend your <laughs> even going for that. Uh, that's far, far outside my wheelhouse. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't take that on. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because everybody's got their own thing and whatnot. And I, 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 I so commend people who are in, you know, in the public health sector when it comes to to getting out there and saving lives. At, you know, in the um, medical field and. You know, or people, you know, heck, if I if I had my dream, I'd be out on a farm doing farming right now. I mean, hmm. one of the talks that we had at the symposium was uh, was Joel Salatin. And, I mean, yes, he had the uh, the mark of a, uh, a Southern Baptist, you know, in the way that he had that fiery rhetoric. But it, it's empowering, you know, and to think about, you know, it doesn't really matter what you you do for work. If you're passionate, at least, and you're helping people, whether it be pulling people out of a burning building or putting good, nutritious food on the table for your family, you know, I think we all can play our part. Yeah, Joel's a he's a special he's a special <laughs> creature. He he managed to he manages to balance it well because he's he's way out there. I mean, oh yeah, he's he's hyper, you know, conservative in their from the religious angle, you know, there's a fish yes. on his door for a reason. I mean, it's absolutely he's, it's it's straight by the Bible, <laughs> and um, ultra libertarian, and yes. yet and yet he can speak at you know foo foo food conferences, health symposiums, and uh, farm to table legal associations, and anything in between. It's kind of remarkable, really. You know, I think I, this is not to any discredit of Joel's whatsoever. Mm-hmm. The man, the man knows how to make a dollar. You know, and if if going out and speaking and spreading his good word, regardless of you know of the many other ties that he has in his background, you know, he's ultimately getting people out there to you know start these farms to bring us kind of back to that full fold, but. Yeah, he has. He, he can be kind of wacky at some of his uh, some of his far-reaching thoughts. So, but again, like with food policy, I'm I'm, I'm all all behind him on that one. Yeah, me too. I, he's a treasure. You know, just I, I think one of my favorite talks, at least at this symposium, and kind of the dovetail on that one um, was the. Uh, I'm trying to think of the guy's name. He was a uh, on your uh, podcast recently from uh, the uh, Keep Food Legal. Uh, oh, Balin Linekin. Yes. Yes. Oh, it was such a pleasure to get to uh, get to hear him speak, and you know, I, I'm I'm so excited to see the growth of that organization. Hmm. You and are see the, the good work that they're doing. Thanks. I'm glad you were, uh, that you caught onto that um, and found some interest there because I have not heard a single mention uh, of that in all the, um, the of the paleo blogosphere. I haven't heard anyone touch policy. You know, it, it's it's obviously being at UCLA or not, not UCLA. I apologize. Obviously, being at Harvard at the at the Food Law um, Society, mm-hmm. policy was going to be a big issue. And 
you know, I don't know what, regardless of I think anybody's leanings as far as, you know, politically, there's just no way around the animal. I can see at this point other than, you know, yes, you're going to have to go out on the farm and make your choices and vote with your dollar. But we do need people to allow us to vote with that dollar because otherwise I can't go buy raw milk if I wanted to buy raw milk. I can't mm-hmm. vote with my dollar because I'm not allowed to. Right. And, you know, I may not support you know, the drinking of soda. I'll support your right to be able to drink soda. And that's why I like what Keep Food, or Keep Food Legal is doing mm-hmm. because it doesn't matter whether or not, you know, you're a vegan or you eat a paleo diet or, you know, you don't eat any diet. At least they're working on keeping it legal for you to put in your body whatever you want to. Sure. This is more about liberty, food sovereignty. Absolutely. Yeah, just just freedom. Yeah, Balin has no stance. He, you know, he's not paleo. It's not a concern of his. No. And I like that. No. Yeah. You know, and, and it's so funny because you talk about keeping, keeping food legal and having that stance. One of the great talks at the symposium um, was from a, a native foods group. Um, and the woman um, who's running this native food group in uh, Pasadena, California, is working on reaching out to the Latino community and bringing health back to the community, both through cooking traditional dishes that are slightly tweaked, or culture, sorry, uh, traditional cultural dishes that are mm-hmm. slightly tweaked for health, and then also just, you know, making it easy. She's got a, uh, this green shake is what she calls it, and it's a shake of blended vegetables and some fruit juices and whatnot, and getting out in that community, and I think the work that she's doing out there as far as not coming at it from an academic, as much of an academic perspective, but of a community respect-driven um, role is yes. fantastic. And I think we could learn a lot from that, at least in the ancestral health. Oh, heck yeah. You've got to meet everyone at their level. You don't. You can't talk down, you know? You can't, you can't come from up on high. You're just not going to reach anyone. I've seen it in the inner city with my friend Maurice Small um, when he works in the inner cities with urban farms, urban gardening. Um, they, they, you know, they, they grasp, they, they get a hold of him. You know, they love him because he's, he's, he's real and he's on their level. You know, I, I would not be able to walk into those neighborhoods and teach gardening. <laughs> just, they just look at me all sideways, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I love that. I love it from the ground up or the middle out, bottom up, whatever. You talk about, you know, going into those communities. Have I got you there? I can hear you now. Absolutely. Whatever. Perspective takes to get folks back, whatever help, you know. And that's the other thing too. You know, you go in and you call the you call for groups like that at risk groups, and that you lose them at that point on. You know, nobody deserves to have a label like that. Nobody wants to certainly. And there are groups. Everybody's far wiser than than the people who come in and want to study them are, because you look at them like a like they're lab rats to study, and they're just folks who want to go ahead and eat and be healthy. Nobody wants to be unhealthy, and you know. It, Treating with respect and dignity is the first step in getting people to make healthier choices in their life. Hmm. Nice perspective. Very good. Cool. What else caught your eye at AHS? So, you know, I think the ability to to kind of create these organic groups and, you know, based around this shared interest, whether it be a physician's group at Ancestral Health Symposium or a group 
you know, right after one of the talks on building a tribe and having, you know, a tight-knit group community, people coming out, gathering, and, and not just gathering from people who were sitting right there in, in the group, but gathering based upon, you know, sending out a tweet, you know, hey, we've got a group of people who are meeting up, we're going to be out there in five minutes, let's go ahead and talk about how we go ahead and improve, you know, improve our practices, or how do we go ahead and grow a sense of community where we can go ahead and, you know, and pass around fruits and vegetables that we've grown in each other's gardens. You know, when you when you have that ability to be able to uh, to grow and have those conversations organically right then and there, I think you've got kind of a, it's it's almost like magic, you know, because you're able to capture the interest right as it's happening and strike while the iron's hot. And I think that you know through through social media and through these group gatherings at like an ancestral health symposium or you know or other group gatherings, you're able to kind of grow these these really interesting and have these really interesting conversations that you might not be able to have otherwise. Wow. I love you. I'd love your perspective. And yeah, that, that is awesome. That synergy, that synergistic effect when it's live and everyone's there. And then, like you said, you could step back and then meet as a group, you know, the us, you know, the, the people of paleo and not the leaders or whatever can kind of hash some things out, make some plans formalize some you know your words for when you get back to your community at home how are you going to share the message help others in your community you know I think for me um, being in Southern California and being in such a um, a health driven area in Los Angeles it's sometimes hard to wade through a lot of the um the guru speak. We have so many folks who are out there and, you know, their own right to make a buck, you know, selling whatever they want to sell. But people are so skeptical about it and so unwilling to, um, you know, because they've, they've, they've been burned or they've tried so many different things and it hasn't worked. And there's, you know, there's celebrity this and diet that. So to be able to come back and to be able to offer, you know, Hey, look, I'm I'm not going to tell you what to do. You know exactly what's going to work best for your body. Here's something that may end up working for you. Give it a try for 30 days. There's nothing, you know, there's no real dig in this one. I'm not here to make any money. I don't have any podcasts. I don't don't have a book, you know. Yeah. I'm not selling anything. I just want you to be healthy. Great. And I think the other thing too, you know, coming from, uh, at least for me in the gay community, we have such a stigma and such a body, body issue or body image issues as far as, you know, needing to look a certain way to present a certain way that, you know, at least the ancestral movement in that community is much more seen as, as a fix as a, you know, let's get ready for a, for going out, you know, or we have a, we're going to go on vacation. So let's go mm-hmm. ahead and do this for two weeks so that we look good and we're all ready to go out. And I think bring it out there and say, Hey, let's, let's extend it out a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. let's look at some of these ways that we can go ahead and, and, you know, and make it a 24-7 thing rather than just a, you know, a two-week thing, so. I like that, um, the inclusion of, you know, of many groups. Everyone has their certain needs, desires, wants, you know. And uh, paleo, paleo can fill a lot of, a major role in that. Because like you mentioned, it helps your mind, right? It helps so my mind. What's what's more important than that? <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, and. I, I, I can't see why employers wouldn't feel the same way. You know, if you've got healthier, happier employees who are, you know, are, are more focused and aren't missing work for being sick, you know, I, I, 
I'd say that's a great idea. You know, you've, you've got a lot of employers who are putting together public or uh, employee health initiatives. And I think that's going to be the next big, um, big boon is to, to get in and show businesses themselves, hey, you can save some money and you can support your people at the same time. And, you know, it, it, we all get diet and health information from some source. You know, a lot of people get it from their employer. So, yeah, um, or if they have any health care at all maybe from a doctor or something, but that's usually the the poorest nutritional support you're going to get. Absolutely. It's, it's too bad that doctors and physicians in general get so little training on nutrition and yet hold are held in such a high light when it becomes, I mean, you're, you, you hold your patient's life in their hands and they, they trust you to know. And, you know, and to no discredit of doctors because, you know, they have a, a fantastically difficult job, you know, and I, my heart goes out to them. I just wish that, A, there's more education, or B, they seek out people who have more information, you know, and it doesn't have to be anybody in the ancestral health group or whatever, but, you know, to be able to come at it and say, you know what, I actually really don't know. Mm-hmm. I think that's the hardest thing for people to say, you know, is, I don't know. We all feel like we have to have an answer, and we do each other no service by by scrambling and, and instead of just you know being plain about, about it. You know, it's really refreshing to hear you speak because you you came away from this um, conference, and you haven't once mentioned any of the drama, the de- quote unquote debates going on about this food, that food, this food group, that one, it doesn't seem to weigh on you at all. I just, it's, it's, it's the minutia. It's unimportant to me. I, I honestly, and, and, and not to say that it's not an important debate or the, the, the safe starch debate, you know, that's what everybody wants to talk about. I, I understand it. And I, and I truly believe that there is a place for it. Some people are saying they're so sick and tired of hearing it. That's fine. You don't have to listen to it. There are people who are still genuinely interested and there's still research to be done. I don't, personally believe that there's a nail in a coffin to say one way versus the other Mm -hmm. you know it has its place enjoy if you're not into it don't worry about it but there's so many more important things that we can do there's so many people you know we we look at it at such a little micro level and you know if you pull back there's so many people whose lives can be affected you know whose health can be improved if we're willing to just pull back a little bit say these are details these are minutiae you know, even even beyond the diet too, you had we had so many folks who were interested in talking about, you know, interventions for cancer, interventions for interventions for multiple sclerosis, interventions for diabetes, all very important and all necessary. Yet, where was the focus when it comes to, you know, play to, you know, re-energizing our sense sense of community to integrating our mind into the whole issue? And I, you know, and I don't want to get to out there in the woo world, but I really do believe that these are components that are underappreciated, at least in the ancestral health movement, and underappreciated in society in general. And if we can reintegrate ourselves into this more evolutionary norm, that it's complementary to the focus that so many people have on health. Wow. I can see why uh, Tori brought you into this (laughs) <laughs> uh, paleo posse as he calls it I, yeah. awesome awesome perspective so well, <clears throat> let's talk about this uh, new venture 
that I think you're going to be a part of, right? This. Yeah. Yep. It's uh, it, you know, it, it's a group of folks kind of came together at the symposium and um, kind of putting together folks from different background. You know, we have a. Uh, um, Lindsay, who has this fantastic background when it comes to mindful meditation and whatnot. Um, you know, we have folks who are involved in the health side of it, people who are involved in the, the fitness side, like myself. You know, I mean, so to be able to, t- and, and, and parenting, and parenting from an ancestral and tribal health perspective, like with what Kendall has, you know, it's really going to be refreshing to be able to tackle issues without just a single focus, but to be able to say, okay, look, we have an issue we want to tackle. Who's going to be the best people for it? Let's pull them in from each different angle, get these people talking together, see if we can throw together some, you know, some potential solutions and then let it out there in the world. You know, and if it works, it works. If it mm-hmm. doesn't work, but at least we're getting people from different backgrounds talking about it. Not, you know, and not that there's anything wrong with, with the, the folks who in the community who have been doing the work that they've been doing. They've doing, been doing a fantastic job. They just have a single perspective. And I think mm-hmm. the ability to offer multiple different perspectives together in a group could be a lot of fun. I agree. I think it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it's the perfect time, uh, especially as the, as its segment is growing, you know, this, this paleo trend is emerging larger. And yeah, for the, the, the everyday perspective from many different flavors is going to be, I think it's going to be really great. And I, I, I hope that, that with the venture, you know, and with this, this whole, you know, potential blog and, and podcast that, that end up coming up that, you know, we can expand beyond the nutrition. We can, you know, I, I know there's some talk of potentially doing, you know, re- reviewing some more minimalist footwear and stuff like that, you know, to be a little bit more all encompassing. So I hope we're able to, uh, to reach a wider audience because right now I feel like the ancestral health movement is a kind of laser beamed in the, in their focus on improving health. And while I think that's important, I think that there's other aspects that we can go ahead and hit that'd be a lot of, a lot of fun. And heck, everybody in the group seems to be a, a lot of fun. We, we, we like tearing, you know, tearing poor research apart as much as the next group, but we mm-hmm. also, you know, kind of have fun when we're hanging out as a group. So it's a good combination. Awesome. I, wow. I can't wait to get started now. <laughs> you know it's funny actually I, I i would be remiss if i didn't mention the um there was a uh, a dinner put on during the ancestral health symposium um by uh, radiance nutrition i think and uh um, chive events and you know you have you have vendors at these events and like any conference some of the vent you know it's it's a necessary evil i almost feel like you know more less so at this event because they were super quality food vendors and you know and clothing vendors but here was a group putting on this phenomenal event and for the folks who don't know about the event it was a sustainable dinner held at a clark farms in i think it's carlisle uh, massachusetts and we literally had a banquet um a plated dinner three course plated dinner for i think about a hundred people inside of a working barn i mean Mm -hmm. we had we had dogs running around, we had goats and chickens, and it was, it was, I think the thing that was most striking, yes, the food was phenomenal, and all of it locally sourced and grown, all of the, you know, the alcohol and the, and the drinks and everything that was served, but the amount of care and the amount of passion that, that these people who put on the event, you know, put into this, I think was just the most, the most spectacular thing about it. I mean, 
you talk about people being passionate about what they do, but these folks see the effect that they have on people by bringing out the, the best food that they can possibly bring and nourishing people. And it was just such a joyful event. I really appreciate it. And at least for me, it was the app. Yeah, you kind of cut out right when you summed up. <laughs> like what it was all for, you know, what about your takeaway oh, there? It, at least with the sustainable dinner, it was nice to see the fact that you've got a group of passionate people or people who are passionate not only about the work that they do, but about people's health coming together to put put on an event you know, in, in, as a fundraiser in support of local farming initiatives, you know, protecting farmers, getting more farmers on land. Um, and for me, at least, it was an absolute joy to be able to interact with people in this really low-key environment with beautiful surroundings, beautiful food, um, and care and compassion. There was care and compassion in the air. That's awesome. So I'm guessing you'll be at the next AHS I will definitely be at the uh, the next Ancestral Health Symposium. I have my fingers crossed for uh, for Emory down in Atlanta because I uh, I love myself some Southern cooking, so <laughs> should be a fantastic time. So and actually Paleo Paleo Effects I can't can't not mention Paleo Effects. Paleo Effects is the other event that was sponsored by the Ancestral Health Society, and it was held in March of this past year. And it was more of the it seemed like it was more of the practical implementation of putting this into practice, this ancestral health thing into practice, you know, how to cook the meals, um, how to do the exercising, you know, and, and ideas and that far. I really regret not getting to go this year and I'm, I really hope to make it a, pl- or a, uh, a part of my schedule for next mm-hmm. year. Awesome. Alec, thank you so much for all this, for all the great info and Absolutely. just for your demeanor. <laughs> your attitude <laughs> is fantastic and well, it's, you, you're probably the perfect counterbalance to me on the, in the paleo posse so <laughs> well brian i have to say it's an absolute pleasure having you know being on the on the show or on the podcast sure um you know you, i've got a chance to go ahead and, and kind of get caught up and I, I really appreciate the work that you're doing and i'm excited for the stuff that we're going to get to collaborate on and work on in the future because i really do think that we have the potential for having an impact so i can't wait for the next time yeah awesome yeah let's get to work it's going to be fun <laughs> All right, Brian. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. Bye. Right, bye-bye. Please consider listening to this clip from James Lehman as he teaches a brief lesson on assuming control. If you have a teen with oppositional or defiant behavior, I implore you to listen. And if you have younger children, I would encourage you to try this program to prevent raising troubled teens. I did, and I hope you will too. Go to needhelpparenting.com. Hi, I'm James Lehman, creator of the Total Transformation Program, and here is this month's One Minute Transformation. I want you to project an image of self-confidence without being hostile. Give directions instead of making requests. Establish and maintain your parental rights to the same decent treatment that you give your kids. The kind of information that I want you to give your kids when you're assuming control is simple direction, 
For instance, if your kid is supposed to be in his room doing his homework and he's down in the basement, the question to ask him is, where are you supposed to be? And if he says, in my room, the response is, go there. Not, why aren't you there already? Why are you out of your room? Just, where are you supposed to be? Go there. What are you supposed to be doing right now? Do it. Very simple statements that give an air that you're in control. You don't justify yourself. You don't explain yourself. You don't ask your kid for explanations because, I'll be honest with you, we ask kids why, and then when they tell us, we say, it sounds like an excuse. We don't ask kids for excuses. If we don't ask them for excuses, there's a good chance we won't get excuses. You know, attitude is a funny thing. Part of what shapes attitude are perceptions and expectations. And that's very important for a parent to understand, that this kid has expectations of you and he has certain perceptions of you and himself. When you say to a child, I want you to go to bed now, what you're starting to do is you're affecting his expectation of who's in control. If you sound like you're in control and you're the parent, you're on your way to being in control. You know, part of the thing is that these kids train us. Acting out kids train their parents to talk to them in a tiptoe around me way. Acting out kids train their parents to give in to them. Acting out kids train their parents to be afraid of them. And so they train their parents not to assume control, not to do direct statements. And so the perception of the kid is, you know, they have a bad attitude, but what does that really mean? It means that the kid perceives himself as in control and entitled to things that he's not without earning them and has expectations of how things are going to go. And one of those expectations is, you know, I'm going to get my way. It's going to go my way. When a parent assumes control, what that says to the kid is, I'm in control now. Your posture has to begin the change process. The change starts with the parent and then goes to the child. This takes a minute or less, and what we do is you use these techniques in conjunction with each other and in conjunction with the Total Transformation Program, and over time, people change. Just change your tone to a very frank, business-like tone and tell him what he's supposed to be doing. Go to your room and start doing your homework, and then turn around and walk away. To learn more, simply go to Need Help Parenting. Dot com. This concludes episode 38.